Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankelton. I'm so excited to introduce to you Wayne Stanley. He's the founder and CEO of Bo Digital. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, David. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. So kick us off with the why. Why did you start Bo Digital? Of course. Well, I started Bo Digital after working on Capitol Hill for several years. And in that experience, I got to meet a lot of different small businesses that were coming to Washington, D.C. with their very specific interests and things that they were passionate about. And after that, I worked for a real estate trade association and got to meet with thousands of small businesses all around the country that all said, we need help with marketing. Um, I tried to get some folks to really specialize in the small business and uh, real estate space, and people didn't really understand it. We got our start in the title insurance part of real estate, and that's kind of really what necessitated the the founding of the company because those guys had small community locally owned businesses that needed help and the resources just weren't cutting it and so one day i told my association this was really my dream this is what i wanted to do and they said look that sounds fantastic can we be your first customer and we were off to the races well that's exciting yeah it was wonderful so walk me through the different services that bow digital offers Of course. Well, I hate the term full service, but we are a modern marketing agency that can help with everything on the traditional marketing side with print design from flyers to billboards, logos design, all that kind of stuff through strategy. Um, We help a lot of folks with marketing planning, training, things like that. And then everything on the digital side from websites to blogs to videos uh, paid digital advertising and much more. Pretty much everything except for you know app development is within our wheelhouse at Bo Digital. Fantastic. And when was the company started? I founded it in 2017. 2017. All right. So you got six years of trials and tribulations and excitement and so on and so forth. Walk me through as you've grown and scaled this business over the last six years. Walk me through maybe some of the mistakes you've made in the process. Maybe it's trying to take on a certain type of medium that was challenging to you. It wasn't your strength that you did anyway and realize, hey, we better find someone else to come in the company that really special that type of marketing. You know, any kind of example of this growing pains you experienced. And then if you don't mind following up with what you learned from that, whether it be I hired someone that was better in that category or we just don't do it anymore or you know, whatever the case may be. Just some examples of scaling challenges and then what you learn from that scaling challenge. Of course. We've definitely uh, had our successes over the last six years, but there have been challenges and I feel like we've learned so much. And I think for me, the, the one big piece of advice I got when I started the company was to hire for your weaknesses, you know, for the things that you're not good at to make sure you've got a team built around you. And so um, I did some of that when it comes to things like accounting and invoicing, accounts receivable, payable, that kind of stuff. But one of our mistakes is that we started to grow really fast in the first two years and we were gaining 
clients at a rate that I certainly didn't expect. And we only hired one person at the time. And so we were definitely overstretched in terms of the burden of the workload. We could definitely handle the work that was given to us, but the workload itself just wasn't balanced. And in starting the company and wanting to give people a good work-life balance and uh, try to create a good internal culture, I definitely didn't do that in that first you know, nine to 12 months of trying to scale as we were growing so quickly. I think another challenge within that was also that we had the opportunity to work with a couple of really large organizations. And I knew the folks that were leading those organizations. And so I thought that uh, it wasn't going to be a big deal for us to take them on. You know, I thought we could handle it. I, I know what I'm doing. And um, it was a misstep. We did not have the right resources in place. We didn't have enough team in place to be handle, to really handle the scale that those organizations required. And it was, that was a humbling experience because we, we loved the work and we loved the customers that we were working with. Um, but a couple of those really big ones that just required a lot of time, energy, and resources, we weren't able to handle the way that we should have. And I can admit that now, you know, six years ago, that was a lot harder for me to, to see, but it was one of understanding that you can't say yes to everything. And I think that was a big uh, lesson learned for me in that, that just because business comes your way when you're starting out doesn't mean that it's the right business. And I think that that's hard as you're founding a company to think that you can even turn away something like that when you're looking at, I've got to pay the mortgage. I have, I have staff now and we have to do all of this. And so the dollars matter, but it's, it's a really good lesson to learn to sort of pause and really think about, does this fit overall, not only what you're able to do, but the mission of what you're, you're setting out as a company? 100%. And I think all the business owners that are listening to this podcast right now will, are shaking their heads in agreement that it is a tough balancing act that when you first start out, you want the revenue and you need the revenue. So you basically take on anything you possibly can. And then as time goes on, you start fine tuning what you want to work with and what you're best at working with. But initially, you just need the revenue. And then I think the other point you had earlier, which is, I think, right on point as well, is that balance of, okay, I have a certain number of employees. Let me go get some work. Okay, how many more employees I need to, to take on that work? And if I lose a client, I don't want to lose staff. So I got to go out and hunt and find some more clients. That balancing act between workload and employees and great customer service is always a challenge. And I think it's what keeps founders up at night. You don't want to let people go. But you also don't want to have people sitting around doing nothing. You're paying them on payroll, which kills your your profit. It's, right. it's a juggling act. It's a really big juggling act, and it's 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 challenging. And I think anyone listening can uh, identify with that and realize that struggle is real. And it's just a matter of maybe everyone you bring on, you bring you find two clients, or you know you, you get people specialized in certain type of industries so they can kind of self feed as much as you possibly can. So it's not all on you to find the new clients. Have you come up with any strategies? to help with that balance workload with staffing? Is there anything that you've learned over the last six years that you found is a good practice or process that you follow? Oh, that's a really great question. I think that for me, the 
I've learned to trust my gut more. And I, if there's anybody listening that has that fear that you were just talking about of, you know, when you, for me, when I'm, when I'm taking on a new team member, whether it's one person or five people, you're taking on their life. And I know not every business owner sees that, but for me, I'm like, they also now have a mortgage to pay. And, you know, it it is a business, but for me, it's the people side of the business is really important and I want to get it right. And it was, daunting to me to hire people in the beginning because of that sort of pressure. Um, and I think that what we've really learned is exactly what you were just saying. We, we sort of have a, a little bit of a loose formula, you know, based on how many partners, which is what we call our customers, how many of those partners that we're signing on and their deliverable load, how does that work within our organization? We also finally reorganized two years ago into a pod structure where there are groups of people handling accounts versus one person really overseeing accounts. That way, if a ball drops or if there's a little bit of ebb and flow that needs to happen, there are multiple people that are aware of all of the aspects of the account and not just the point of contact or something like that. And uh, that's helped in a big way. Yeah, I can also imagine just summertime when people are taking vacation, if you only have one point of contact, that customer doesn't want to know that their their point of contact is on vacation and not reachable. So it's nice to have a group of people that they can reach out to and that can help them uh, based on what their needs are at that time. Because obviously sometimes you do have things on fire and you need immediate attention that the person you need is not there. It's a reflection of your company now, and that's not good. So it's good to have that group uh, application. Uh, the hard part for you then becomes how do you get the right people to work together? Because everyone has their ideas on how to run the campaign. Uh, it definitely uh, requires more collaboration within the team. Your customer probably has certain people they prefer over others. Uh, and that dynamic gets a little tricky. Have you run into any kind of uh, challenging scenarios or uh, stories you want to tell that worked out well, but it maybe started out a little bumpy initially. Yeah. Like I said, our, the culture piece for us internally is hugely important to me. And I firmly believe that if we're getting the culture right internally, that can only help things with externally for us with our relationships with our customers. And so, um, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned to you, David, but we're a 100% remote company and we have been from 2017. Um, So our team can work wherever they want, whenever they want. We have a um, flexible schedule for folks. We have a four-day work week. So we're only working Monday through Friday as an organization. And all of that compounded with the things you were just talking about with personalities and communication for our customers can get really interesting. And so we put a real emphasis on internal training, especially when it comes to communication and brainstorming, because not everybody knows how to brainstorm, especially when it comes to marketing, where we are thinking about, like you said, different strategies for customers, what's going to work right, what's going to work best, who just because it's the most creative idea doesn't mean it's going to be the most effective or the most efficient for their budget. And so we put time into really thinking about how do we do this as a group? How do we provide uh, information and ideas to our customers that doesn't seem messy? Because sometimes that's the exciting part for a customer is the brainstorming phase. But we all know that it's the actual getting the work done that that matters the most. And so we put time every other month on the calendar for us to meet in person to really go through those issues to make sure that we're operating at the highest level possible internally so that our customers feel that externally. Very good. And that brings me to my next question. I love top threes. Uh, and I, a lot of companies now work in remote, and it's a whole new challenge that they've never really faced before in the past, trying to figure out how to 
get people to work together in a remote environment. But if you've got the secret sauce that you could share with us, if you come up with the top three things you think are so crucial or critical in getting a team to work together when they're all working remote. Obviously, culture is going to be part of that, but can you give us a, a top three list of things you put in place to make sure that culture, that team is working well, even though they're in different cities, different states, different countries, who knows? Uh, but what's their secret sauce for that top three key ingredients or components to making that a successful experience for the customer? Of course, I love a top three list. I, I would say that my top three for the working remote piece would definitely be number one, setting expectations of your team from the start. And that even includes in the application and interview process. We have so many people that because we promote that we're 100% remote, when they apply with us, they'll say things like, I'm really looking forward to be able to do laundry during the day or I can't wait to save money on daycare by having my kids home during the day. And we're very upfront about what working remotely means at Bow Digital, what the expectations are of our team, that it's not you know, what you see in memes or in pop culture, that we expect the work part of remote work. And that yes, you can work from the beach. If your spouse has a trip overseas, we want you to go with them, all of that kind of stuff. You can work whenever, wherever, but we still expect the work to get done. So I think number one is outlining those expectations. Number two, as part of those expectations, it has to include video because the number one struggle with remote work culture is people feeling connected. Um, you know, one of the biggest questions HR teams like to ask are, do you have a best friend at work? That's even harder when you don't see people in person. It's, it's, it's really rough. And so we put an emphasis on video and we say that, you know, if it's, we use Slack for our messaging and kind of internal organization stuff. But um, even on Slack, we say, if you are working on a problem or talking about a situation and it's more than two or three messages back and forth, you should be on a video call. You should feel connected to see somebody face-to-face. -face. That's really important. Um, and then the third thing that I would say on my list of top three here would definitely be back to that human element. You have to still have some sort of uh, in-person interaction. And the way that that has worked for us is that every other month we come together in person. We, we have folks that um, live in multiple different states and we fly them in. And I know that sounds like an expense, but it's really important. And I'll tell you, I learned a lesson this year. We, in August, we had a few people out on different leaves uh, for maternity, paternity, things like that, vacations. And uh, it just didn't really make sense scheduling wise. And so I canceled our in-person meeting for the first time in uh, six years. And we're feeling it right now. So when I, my team gets together uh, for our company retreat in November, it will be the first time they've seen each other in person since June. And you can feel that. And it's something that I realized that um, I shouldn't take for granted, that it is a really important part of our culture. And so I'm not saying that you should definitely, you know, fly people in or have to meet every other month. You have to figure out how that works for you, but still being in person counts. And I think that purposeful in-person kind of meeting is important. For us, we always schedule time that is 
sort of unprogrammed when we get together for those meetings. We don't, um, it's not all work or all training. We have time for them to have a meal together and to hear about the kitchen renovation and the annoying neighbor and uh, what trip they're going to go on next and all of that kind of stuff that, um, you know, if you were passing someone in a hallway or seeing them at lunch or something like that, you would normally get, but you don't working remotely. And so we try to make that a really purposeful connection for our team. Very good. I think that in-person is so crucial and it, it, it reinforces the culture and reinforces why they love working there. And, you know, the, they can share success stories. I just think there's so many great things to seeing people, you know, face to face. So congratulations on, on getting that uh, key component in place. And I think it's important to have a video as well. And people take time to get dressed and look presentable and so on and so forth. If it's no video, then people are wearing whatever they feel like and then you have to worry about making sure people wear pants and things like that <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't stand up you know those type exactly. of things happening or if it's their dress professional and they know the video is gonna be on they get ready for work just like it would if they're leaving the house except they just get to go downstairs instead or roll over to the side of the bedroom and work on their office whatever the case may be but they understand the expectation of, of being professional and uh, treating it like their office uh, so that leads me to another question uh, that I think a lot of people are, are curious about because of this whole uh, work from home phenomenon that started because of COVID uh, is as you realized the company was going to be fully, it was always fully remote from the beginning or you became fully remote as a result of COVID? No, we've been fully remote since 2017. Okay. So before COVID even happened. Okay. Yeah. So this is your strategy and you're like, oh, COVID doesn't bother us. We're doing the same thing we did before. So that was, that worked out nicely for you. So I guess yes. when you decided to launch a remote business, it has challenges. Uh, it has uh, things you can't really see in the future. Walk me through maybe top three things you had to deal with because it was remote that you didn't see coming. Like things that just kind of took you by surprise that you had to deal with because they were remote. And some of it has to do with the top three things you just mentioned, the things that are key at working remote. But this is more about things you didn't expect to happen, but happened because of working remote or things you had to put in place uh, as a result of something that happened. Is there any scenarios or things you dealt with early on in the remote world that you wouldn't have to deal with if it was in person? Yeah, for sure. We, um, you know, if we're thinking about the the top three there, I will say that it would, it would probably blow people's minds now post COVID, but in 2017, we would actually lose business from people that, sort of didn't see us as a as a valid company because we didn't have a brick and mortar presence they thought that you know we were couch surfers or something that um because we didn't have an office we weren't able to serve them in the way that they wanted to and i sort of took a step back and i i would talk to people very honestly and just say it's, it's very unlikely that you would ever come to our office if we had a brick and mortar. Um, and then additionally, I'm able to offer you better pricing because I don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar uh, operation. So it really, it, that, that confused me and was something I certainly wasn't prepared for in 2017. Um, that again, today, nobody would, nobody says a word about it to us. And kind of uh, in conjunction with that, 
also video. We were, I'm not saying we were trailblazers or anything, but we adopted Zoom day one in 2017 for communicating via video with our customers. And it was like pulling teeth to get people to do a video call with us. But again, we were remote and we had customers that we had never, we were very lucky to have customers that we had never seen face to face that we didn't have a relationship prior to. And we felt like in order to just like we were doing with our team internally, in order to connect with them long term, we really, we really needed to know who we were working with. And so that getting them to adopt our culture of video and the the purposeful communication kind of thing was also really difficult in the beginning as well. Um, and then I think just in general, finding our footing as an organization for culture and stuff like that in those first couple of years of working remotely together, you know, I, I had a really nebulous idea of what I wanted that to be. And as we were adding teammates and things it was it was at a pretty steady pace but then the doors really got blown off of our organization and covid and i know a lot of organizations really uh were hurting during that time but we were lucky enough that we grew uh just exponentially i think in march of 2020 we had maybe six full-time employees and 30 uh, full-time customers and uh, by the end of 2020, we had 17 employees um, <clears throat> and a little over 150 customers. And so we were very lucky during that period, but it caused us to really reevaluate very quickly what does working remotely mean as we scale and what's most important to us. And that's really where we were able to nail down the how we how we communicate, how we brainstorm, how often we're going to get together, all of that kind of stuff. Sure. Well, I think the other thing that is remarkable is the place of business, like the places your customers can come from anywhere in the world, really, obviously, unless there's a language barrier, or if you had a brick and mortar, you're limited to, you know, 15, 30 mile radius. Uh, so that, I think that would be a huge win as well for you about going remote is you had that opportunity for customers as well. I really don't trust the fact that I can hire you because I can't meet you face to face. Yeah, but you're in San Francisco and I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. You can never come to my office if you had to come to my office. It's too far apart. So now you have this ability to take care of any customer anywhere in the country uh, with ease, with the, the beauty of uh, remote, which is pretty awesome. And I, is that one of the incentives to go in? Like, I guess make that into a question. Was one of your incentives to doing it remote from day one the range? Or is that just me throwing an idea out there? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I'm sorry, I guess not both is the idea in my head. It was a little bit of that. It was being able to work with people anywhere all over the country. But it was also in my previous role at the Real Estate Trade Association, I was able to work remotely for about my last year that I was there. And they were doing things with remote employees that others just weren't at the time. And so I knew that it was possible. I knew that the work we were doing, you know, if you have a laptop and internet, you can uh, handle the marketing work. And so that was that was a big piece for us is that I, I wanted us to be able to work from anywhere. And I was also just looking at the numbers as a startup. You know, I, I knew that we would not be able to grow at the rate that I wanted to if I had the overhead of a building and utilities and insurances and that kind of thing. And so um, being able to work with with 
companies all over the country being able to save money on the overhead. And then the other to round out another three for you there would be, I was also able to hire talent from anywhere in the country. I wasn't dependent upon whoever was the most creative mind or the best designer in my backyard here in Indiana. I was able to really hire from wherever that made the most sense in the country. And in some cases, that's really helped us to be able to have that local flair that customers are looking for. So when they say, you know, I really wanted a marketing person that was right down the street that really understands um, Texas or Birmingham, Alabama or something. And I can say, well, actually, one of our designers works and lives in Birmingham. And so nobody knows that area better on our team. And we'll make sure that they're working on your account. And so that's helped us in a big way, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, not, I was thinking mainly the customer, but you're right. I mean, if you can pull talent from anywhere in the country, you have a huge pull to pull from uh, versus someone local just trying to find someone that's willing to drive in the office or even willing to work from home, but still in that city for that weekly meeting, you're very limited. Even in bigger cities, you're still limited versus everyone in the country is a much bigger pool so you can have the top talent. And I think the other point you mentioned earlier, which is best pricing, because you're not paying that overhead, having the best pricing with the best talent. I mean, that's just a winning combination right there. Yeah, I think that's definitely led to um, how we've been able to scale and grow because we 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 found that sort of secret formula there for us. Yeah, and I think the other issue too is that sometimes, like you said earlier, you take on, you say yes to everyone. Uh, and I think a lot of that's to do with you're in a small town. You have to say yes to everyone because there's not a lot of people to choose from. But when you are working remote and you have a national company, you don't have to take the jobs you don't want to take. You can pass on certain opportunities that just don't fit your company culture and fit your expertise. And you take the things you do best in or things that you enjoy or things that you want to do more of because you have the big opportunity nationwide to choose from versus just what's available in your town. Right. And that was very hard for me to kind of wrap my head around at the beginning too, was that uh, you know, everything that you prepare for when you start a company are sort of the the hardships and the the blood, sweat and tears and that kind of stuff. You don't always prepare to see those types of rewards. And I was lucky enough that pretty quickly we were able to see that, you know, I could pick and choose some of this and we could kind of make sure that we were working on projects that that we wanted to and stuff that excited us because that just makes the work all that much easier. Right. And your bank and your uh, banquets or your uh, get togethers can be anywhere in the country, which is cool. So if your office is in some little town that no one wants to go to, no one gets excited about going to, you could pick uh, a city in California or Florida or wherever that seemed more tropical, more warm, more fun, uh, which that's got to be a benefit as well versus just coming to the corporate office, which happens to be in bright Indiana. No one gets excited about bright Indiana. Nothing against bright Indiana, of course, those are listening from that area. But compared to Orlando or Fort Lauderdale or Miami, you know, or Los Angeles, you know, Denver, place like that, it's just not as exciting. So people will get a lot more excited about going to your retreats when it's in a fun place to go and there's activities and things to do. Exactly. Well, excellent. Well, Wayne, uh, walk me through a success story, uh, because I think obviously all the growing pains, uh, all the challenges, all the things you faced since 2017 and six years uh, we talked about some of the mistakes you made, which were all human. If you're not making mistakes, you're not pushing, you're not scaling, you're just staying comfortable. And I think that's something that's a great takeaway from this podcast as well is to make sure people understand if you're way too comfortable, you're not growing nearly as much as you could be. So get yourself outside that comfort zone, try new things, push yourself, hire new people, uh, see what new services you can offer with the new additions. Those are all uncomfortable things, but they're all things you need to do to continue to grow and scale the business. So let's shift gears to a success story. 
something, a campaign you took, you don't have to give the name, of course, but a campaign you took on, your employees just hit a home run. The, the, the company saw huge results, huge revenue, huge bump. And now is this cranking. Uh, maybe they've increased their budget. Maybe they've increased the different types of marketing they're doing now as a result of the success they had initially. Uh, just something they're very proud of. Uh, of the results they got, but most importantly, it reinforces your why you started Bo Digital from the very beginning. Of course. Um, well, I'm going to give you two quick uh, success stories because uh, they're very different. And I think that um, for me, the, you know, you said the success story that kind of shares why you started Bo Digital, it wasn't about the numbers in this particular story. And so I'm hoping that this helps other people because as we all know, sometimes in marketing, especially, um, it's not every activity that immediately leads to more business. It's a long game. And um, we were, everybody in marketing these days talks about how to be a storyteller and that you have to tell a good story. And that's just not easy to do. It's a, it's a great uh, jargony word, but it is not easy to be effective, to cut through the noise, to uh, deal with people's attention spans these days and all of that kind of stuff. And so we had a, a fairly large customer out in California bring us in to create a new story for their company. They are a very uh, people focused business. They are um, have been around since uh, the early 60s, I believe. Um, and so they knew what they were doing. They're a huge presence throughout the state of California, and they operate in like seven other states. And um, they brought us in to help refresh their story. And the first day we were there, a woman came up to me who had worked at the company for about 40 years, and she sort of got in my face and she said, I don't know who you think you are but I don't think that after one day of meeting with our team, you're going to be able to create anything that I can use in my day to day. That's not going to be disruptive or will be actually helpful to getting more business for us. And I sort of took that as a challenge of like, well, we'll see about that. Um, and so, you know, we went through our process of how we work on our rebrands and our storytelling and all of that with this organization. And we presented it to their management. They loved it. They bought into it. And so it finally came time a few months later to present it to their team of what their story was going to be and how we were going to help move all of this forward. And by the time we were done with it, that woman, that same woman came up to me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said, I just want to apologize for uh, doubting you previously, you more than hit the nail on the head. You have completely made me rethink the way that I uh, manage my team, how I operate within this business. And after being here for nearly 40 years, I have a whole new um, re-energized sense of what I want to do and how we can get more business in this market. And I just had such pride in that moment. Like, yes, I used her uh, negative outlook at first or her doubt at first as uh, more fire and fuel to make this project successful. But hearing that from somebody to have such a, a 180 in the way that they were approaching the project, it's not the, the numbers you were talking about and that huge level of success, but man, it felt so good to be able to know that we, we know what we're doing. We can tell a story better than others. And we can really help these companies that have been saying the same thing for so long and it's been working, but realize in this newer world that they're going to have to change. And that was just a, a fantastic success for us. Um, 
another another story that kind of builds on the more data revenue focused side of things is we had a customer that um, had a very traditional sales process and a very um, uh, not necessarily older, but more experienced sales team. Then they were trying to figure out what can we do in our marketing that's going to set us apart. And so we basically said, we need to be more consistent in reaching out to the customers and we need to give them content that actually matters. Um, and we also need to figure out ways to see them face to face. And this was in the sort of the heart of COVID. And so seeing them face to face was going to be really difficult. And what we ended up developing was what we call what was a little bit of a uh, ding dong ditch campaign for them where they were getting lots of different marketing emails from this company that had content that was super useful at that time, especially on what they do, their sales process, but also things that would help their business. Cause this was a more of a business to business marketing situation. And, um, we then combined that with, Hey, you're going to get, uh, visits from us soon. You're going to see us face to face. We know this, but we're, we're being safe about it and all of that. And, they developed these these uh, porch packages that people could have that had some stuff that you needed during COVID. It had hand sanitizer, it had branded masks, it had some chocolate and stuff because we were all at home. I think it had a little uh, carafe of wine and things too because we were all doing virtual happy hours every night. Um, and so they would do these fun ding dong ditch things where they would run up to the door of these customers who were all working from home and they would ring the doorbell or knock on the door, leave the package and run off. And the whole thing, somebody was filming each time they did it so that then we were able to also share that on social media. And the response was just fantastic. It couldn't have been better, especially from customers that hadn't really given them business in the last six to eight months. It was a reminder of we're here, we're thinking differently for you and we're working really hard. And it resulted in, I don't have the exact data in front of me, but it resulted in lots of new customers for them. But it, the bigger one was a huge increase in volume from existing customers, which was wonderful to see and exactly what you want. So there's two different stories for you. One that's definitely a little more um, on the, the heart pull side of all of this. But like I said, sometimes as a business owner, you take the win as it comes to you. And it's not always that there was a direct revenue bump from what you're doing. Those are two great stories. And I think anyone that comes to you with that kind of negativity it takes a real grounded person to take that and turn it into a positive experience and not uh, take it personally, not fire back and so on and so forth. But I think the biggest key for her was that she's been around for 40 years and she's heard every marketing pitch out there and she just didn't believe the yours is going to work. And the fact that you turned her from a disbeliever to a believer that brought her to tears is, is magic. I mean, that's the only way you can describe it as magical that your team, you took on the challenge. You said, hey, we're going to knock our socks off. And you did exactly that. And uh, she did owe you an apology. I'm glad she was humble enough to do that uh, because there's no reason to, to uh, not give you the opportunity, no matter, despite her experience and despite her true feelings of uh, you know, disbelief or not, you know, credibility that's going to work out this time. Because I'm sure she's heard so many stories and so many different things. And, you know, so many times it didn't work out. And she's just kind of built up a tolerance to it. It's kind of like a callus you get in your thumb after trying to play a musical instrument for a period of time you just she kind of built up that callus mentally of things not working out and you showed her that with the right team and the right concepts and the right story that it really can make a difference so that's that's a great story and i think anyone listening should realize it's not necessarily about the money 
yes, it's nice to be productive. Yes, it's like to see revenue increase, but it's nice to have your story improve, your loyalty improve. And to tie into your second story, it's nice to see your current customers spend more, uh, do more, brag more, talk more about your business. And eventually it all works itself out. Even if it doesn't hit the bottom line initially, um, improving that self that image across the different platforms and your image across the country, I think is all positive wins in every direction. Most definitely. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight and all that you're doing. I think a lot of people listening that own businesses uh, need to call you and hire you so they can uh, improve their digital footprint out there and improve their marketing and their growth as well. So uh, please share with us your website, your social media handles. If you want to give out an email or phone number, that's up to you. Uh, but just help people get a hold of you and hire you and uh, learn more about what you can do for their business. Of course, we would love to uh, obviously have their business, but I spend a lot of my days just brainstorming and thinking about things with other business owners when it comes to remote work culture, just internal work culture in general, and all things marketing. So please reach out. I would love that. You can find us at bowdigital.com. That's B-O-W-E digital.com. And we're most active, I would say, these days on Instagram. So you can find us with Instagram at at bowdigital. And my email address is wayne, W-A-Y-N-E, at bowdigital.com. And I would love to schedule some time to talk with you about, you know, whatever opportunities or challenges that you may have right now and ways that we might be able to help. Fantastic. Wayne, thank you so much for being on the show and uh, sharing all your experiences and wish you continued success. Thanks, David. My pleasure. And you've listened to another episode of the Perky Caller Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in. Are you looking for a great franchise opportunity? Well, you're in luck because Perky LLC is now ready to scale and grow all across the country. So if you're a fashion lover and you enjoy helping people put together outfits and look amazing, well, the Perky LLC franchise is for you. Check out the website franchising.perkyllc.com to learn more. And we will see you at the next location in a mall near you. What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right, over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in elephant, R as in Robert, K as in kangaroo, Y as in yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's perkyllc.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We solve clothing-related problems such as a droopy, saggy dress shirt collar, the pocket square that doesn't seem to sit still properly, it unfolds, it falls down, the shirt that keeps coming untucked. 
collar stays that keep curling on you, and more and more issues with your belt, cracking, splitting, holeless belts are the solution. You can adjust them by a quarter inch instead of having to go up an inch or down an inch. What about that lapel you want to use as an accent color to match a dress or as a color accent to your wardrobe? This and many other fun fashion accessories are available at PerkyLLC.com. Beyond innovation, we also have fashion accessories, bow ties, you name it, from feather to blingy to wooden, even wooden ones that move, even wooden ones that showcase the skyline of cities all across the country. Check out PerkyLLC.com for all these great fashion accessories and innovative solutions.